Welcome to Your Health Guide, your how-to prescription for better health, translating cutting-edge research for your everyday life. Join naturopath and health educator Lawrence Katsaris for practical tips and insights to help you on your wellness journey. Hi, I'm Lawrence Katsaris and this is Your Health Guide. Today I've got a really interesting episode for you. I'm joined again by Sally Olchek to talk about low-fat diets and their use for weight loss. Now, that might sound really strange because it's kind of controversial and you've no doubt heard that low-fat diet craze in the 80s was really unhealthy. But Sally talks to us about how you can have a healthy whole foods diet with good amounts of carbohydrates but restrict some fats but still get enough in there to be healthy and how that approach is actually different from the old school 80s take on low fat diets. So we spend a bunch of time discussing how fats and carbohydrates aren't actually evil. It's not one or the other that interacts with your body and magically puts you on weight, but the science is clear that you just need to restrict one or the other. So you either cut out carbohydrates or fats. Now low carb ketogenic diets have become very popular and Sally and I have spoken about them in a previous episode. But the studies are showing that you can lose just as much weight on a low-fat diet. And that's causing quite a stir in the academic world over the last couple of years as it challenges people's attachment to these low-carb diets. But for us out here in the real world, it's great. Because it means no longer do we need to be sticking to one particular eating pattern for everyone. But you can actually have a choice of good, healthy dietary options that work for you but you still need to be following some specific indications around portions, ratios, and food choices, and Sally's going to explain these to you in the episode. Now, this episode follows on from some foundational dietary principles that we discussed in episode 17. I had Nathan Rose on the show, and we talked about how you can diet and lose weight successfully and keep it off in the long term. And Nathan talked about what he referred to as the four diet heroes that will help you lose that weight and keep it off. These principles have been wrapped up into the weight loss program called the Shake It program, which is available in Australia and New Zealand. And Sally was one of the researchers that was involved in creating that program. So today, Sally's going to talk to you about how if you're a person who struggles to stay on a low-carbohydrate diet, if you don't like the food options that are available on those ketogenic-style diets, that's okay. You can still achieve successful weight loss if you follow a whole foods, healthy, low-fat diet. And Sally gives you loads of practical tips of what that diet is and how to follow it and teaches you how you can still have a healthy diet with some different ratios of the carbohydrates and fats in there that will help you lose that weight. So I hope the episode helps clear up some of the confusion and clarifies that low-carbohydrate diets aren't the only way to lose weight. But as the science is showing us, there are other options that can work just as well. So it just depends on the right diet that's right for you. Well, that's enough from me. Let's jump into it. Sally, thanks so much for coming back on the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me back, Lawrence. Now, last time we were talking about low-carbohydrate ketogenic diets and got a lot of good feedback from this. These diets are very popular and very much in vogue at the moment as people restrict their carbohydrates to help them lose weight. But you mentioned something that was pretty contentious, and that's what I want to go into in this episode now, is the fact that carbohydrates aren't necessarily the evil that are making us put on weight. You can put on weight just by having too much of any macronutrient. So too much protein, too much carbohydrate, or too much fat can make us put on weight. So 
in effect, you're saying that we can do a low-fat diet and still eat carbohydrates and we can lose weight. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lawrence, you know I love a bit of controversy. And uh, when I was looking into the best dietary options for weight loss, in actual fact, the low-fat diet is making a comeback. Now, when I think low-fat, I think of the 80s, and I'm an 80s child. I grew up in the 80s. Um, watching Jane Fonda on TV and promoting low fat. Um, But this is a very different style diet to what was a traditional low fat uh, diet that was recommended in the past. So traditional low fat diets were mostly cutting out the whole food group of of fats um, and they were processed food driven style diets. They weren't focusing on making sure that you're getting adequate protein. So remember how important protein is to maintain your metabolism and for satiety as well. Um, And they weren't particularly focused on a healthy low-fat option. And so making sure that we're getting um, a low-fat in the form of of healthy fats as well, Um, but also making sure that we're sourcing um, the rest of the diet from whole food sources. And this is really important to differentiate uh, the low-fat traditional um, diet of the 80s to the diet that we see today. And I'm really excited to be able to present this form of diet for weight loss because it's giving our patients more flexibility, more options to choose from. And this is the diet that really resonates with me as well, because as I mentioned in the past, I'm a vegetarian, and this really allows that additional flexibility because some of the protein sources that I reach for also have some additional carbohydrates in there. They're good sources of carbohydrates, but they can affect that ratio that we we're looking at that doesn't ideally fit that ketogenic model that we we're talking about in the last episode. It's so true, isn't it? Like some people are just going to struggle on a low carb diet, especially the vegetarians, like you're mentioning. Like it's just, it's, it's pretty much, it's really, really difficult, if not impossible and that's not it's not impossible but it's just really hard for a vegetarian to stick on a low carb ketogenic diet because you by nature getting more carb through your animal sources of protein and so i love the fact that you've been able to tease this out and yeah causing a little bit of stir um but as you say when you look at the literature if you're not being unbiased and you actually just look at it Low-carb diets will help people lose as much weight, whether they're short-term or whether they're long-term diets, you know, months, years. It will help people lose just as much weight as a low-carb diet. So I think we need to stop thinking about the evil and, you know, whether it's carbs or whether it's fat. And I love the fact that you've kind of gone like, let's look at the circle of dieting here. We used to say it was fat and fat was evil, so let's get rid of the fat. Then we started eating loads of carbohydrates in these processed foods. And then so we went, oh, it's the carb. Let's pull out the carb. And it's like, well, we keep just doing the same thing. Let's just recognize all the macronutrients are evil. You can't have too much of anything. And you're saying, well, that's still going to be appropriate for some people to be doing. So what is it that we're looking at in terms of the good fats and bad fats? Like you've talked about in the 80s when we were doing the low-fat diet, it was very much processed foods. And that was then high in carbs and high in sugars. What is a healthy low fat or maybe even for a different term? Let's say what's a restricted healthy, like a restricted fat healthy diet look like now? Yeah, sure. So there's a couple of things I want to just point out with what you've just said to really highlight to those that are listening at the moment. Um, But I really want to make this key point because um, this is what it took me a little bit of time to get my head back around to 
uh, loving low fat and now I'm on board and um, that this is really a fantastic option is the fact that uh, carbs have always been seen uh, as the villain for um, excess weight gain. And the more I read and the more I delved into this area, I found out that carbs are not the evil villain that they once were. So yes, if you have too many carbs, and when we're talking about carbs, we're thinking of sugars, um, you know, things like breads and potatoes and and those types of starchy kind of vegetables and processed foods. Yeah, absolutely. So those types of foods, yes, over-consuming those types of foods will um, promote weight gain. But it's those that overconsumption of any of those macronutrients. So having too much fat will promote that weight gain. Having too much protein will also imp- promote that weight gain. So we can't, uh, we can no longer just think of carbs as the evils that they once were. But to and I think care- that sorry, just to jump in there That's as well fine. is that I think that when what people don't recognize is because when you're talking about those processed starchy foods, such mm-hmm. as even like breads or carb rich. Um, you know, processed foods, is they're really calorie dense. And, you know, what I mean by that is that foods that for a small serving actually are really high in calories or kilojoules. Mm -hmm. And that means you don't have to eat much of it and it gives you a huge amount of energy intake, which contributes to potentially your weight gain because you kind of got a quota of how much you want to stay within. And um, this won't necessarily be as satisfying, right? So people can have like four sandwiches or something cool, you know, like, um, a pizza and they're getting a huge amount of calories from that, but it's not satisfying them. So they're going to still continue to go back and look for more food. And then that's where the issue is coming from kind of, isn't it? Yeah. It's that overconsumption. So if you're not satiated, if you don't feel full, and that's one of the worst things I think in my head that gets triggered sometimes when I think of dieting is being restricted and not being satiated enough and not feeling that fullness. Um, and that's where, you know, having empty calories, so empty carbohydrates, uh, like you're mentioning pizzas and sandwiches, um, you know, overconsuming those because um, they're quite easy to overconsume. Um, and I'd like to think back to that podcast that you and Nathan did a couple of podcasts ago about the combination. It's not just um, carbohydrates that can be um, an issue for overconsumption, but it's that really beautiful combination which is not good for us but that beautiful combination of fats and carbs together that make things super super tasty um so think of those fries that you eat with you know maybe a bit of sour cream you know when you're down at the pub and they're really really tasty and really moorish um you tend to trick the brain and and um, be able to overconsume more of those calories and want more so um, as we've mentioned previously we want to um restrict one of those macronutrients. So in this case, we're restricting uh, fats down to a point where it's still healthy for our system um, so that we can promote um, healthy weight loss. Now, that's such a good explanation of, or I guess differentiation of what we're trying to do there. And and those carb and fat combinations, as Nathan and I were talking about, they trigger the brain I heard someone say this the other day that I thought was a great description of it. It's like it's eating for the pleasure of it, not because we really need to. And so our brain just loves to go back for those, as you say, the Moorish foods, whether it's the fries and you've got the carbohydrates and then the fats that they're cooked in or it's the chocolate biscuits or it's the cheese and crackers or it's the pizza with the carbohydrates at the base and the cheese as the fats. Or, you know, when we start looking at all of our processed foods, 
all the foods we love to eat are those carbon fat combinations. And then they tend to be empty calories, as you say, where they don't satisfy us. We want more of our, we want more of them because we're not satisfied. We want more of them because our brain says, my God, that's so delicious. Let's keep putting more and more of that. So then we start over-consuming those calories. So if we restrict carbohydrates or fats, we pull down so that we don't have that kind of critical mass of the two of them together, which causes our brain to just want them for the pleasure of eating. So we've talked previously about, okay, well, carbohydrates are the fashionable way of restricting that at the moment, but we can still do this in a healthy way and we can restrict fats. So what fats is it that we want to be reducing now in this day and age that means it'll be a healthy diet that's not the low-fat version of the diet that we used to do back in the 80s what's those what's those bad fats and what's this diet look like yeah so one of the key fats that we do classify as as bad would be and an easy one to to think of is those trans fats so trans fats as we've mentioned in the previous episode are found in some of the tastier things that you can find so um, some of our processed foods um, bakery goods croissants um, you know those delicious things but they're absolutely not good for our health. Uh, in the 80s, uh, their form of, of low-fat dieting was huge restrictions on all types of fats. So, you know, things like no avocado or no lovely cold-pressed olive oil, um, these things we know are good fats and they can be beneficial for our health. Um, you know, there's the idea of previously thinking things like saturated fats and all saturated fats were, were bad, um, but we're really focusing in this form of diet to make sure that we're getting um, good amounts of good quality fats. So not the margarine that has the hidden trans fats, but using cold pressed and in some cases organic fats, um, making sure that we're using fats that may be of a saturated fat base like coconut oil to uh, promote health in our system. So are you leading us down the path here again of, of another fad, Sally? Are we going to look back at this and go, oh, no, trans fats are now okay because, you know, we used to think saturated fats were problematic? Like this is still – this information now has always been kind of consistent, right? Like we know trans fats have always been limited. Like there's levels that are allowed of them in foods in countries across the world. You, they snuck in in places where you wouldn't necessarily notice them through things like palm oil or through different oil sources. And um, trans fats have always been problematic is from my understanding. Now you're saying, well, let's stop judging fats as being bad. And we've seen that from going – you know, saturated fats are the things that you might be getting, like coconut oil has had a huge resurgence over the last several years. People loving coconut oil. That's rich in saturated fats, but it's it, that's okay for you. Limit the trans fats that are found in your processed foods, in all your packaged foods, basically, whether it be savoury or sweet, they're containing trans fats, your bakery goods, as you're saying. Mm -hmm. But you can have your other fats, the good fats, but we want to restrict them down. So how, how much fat am I allowed to have if I'm having good fat? Yeah, that's a really good question. So as you mentioned, trans fats have never been considered as healthy fats at all. Um, and the more research that's done on fats, the more that we know the benefit of them. So what we have done is we've put together uh, resources uh, that have that list of um, good fat options. Um, and what we're aiming for with this particular um, dietary program and the macronutrient breakdown is um, 
20% of our macronutrients coming from fats. Uh, 30% is coming from protein. So as you can see between this diet and the ketogenic diet, we're keeping that balance of protein at 30% because this is so important, as you mentioned, for your metabolism, for satiety, for reducing snacking towards the evening um, and for many other health benefits as well. And because there's those studies that show that if you get in 30% of protein, you are more satisfied. And if you're more satisfied, it means you're not going back looking for more food. So you're then inherently going to eat less. Mm -hmm. And if you're making up more of your meals and snacks from protein, it then means you're getting less from carbohydrates and fats, which then means you separate that lethal combination of carbohydrates and fats together, which means that it's triggering your brain to eat for the pleasure of it. And that just allows you to kind of head in the right direction, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's breaking that cycle. It's short-circuiting things. And it's one of those cycles you actually want to be in. Yeah, cool. And so that's the amount of protein that we've got. Um, And then the carbohydrates amounts that we're after? Yeah, it's 50% carbohydrates. Um, But I want to just confirm the forms that we're getting our carbohydrates from. So many of our listeners uh, will be familiar with the fact that not all carbohydrates are the same, very similar to not all fats are the same. Uh, So with carbohydrates, you can get them in two forms. And we've discussed a little bit about what forms carbohydrates come in. Um, But our refined carbohydrates are things that we find in processed foods, in our breads, bakery goods, et cetera, and and sugars and chocolates and those types of examples, which um, can be detrimental to our So basically anything that's coming in a packet, right? That's right. That's right. Some of the tastiest things can be um, in that, that form. And also those hidden forms of carbohydrates that are sometimes in canned goods um, or in packaged foods that you just can't see. You just don't think there are sugars in them because they're savoury. Um, but will I see that if I'm looking at the packet and I'm looking at the label, the nutrition label on a packet, I can look at the carbohydrate yeah. load of it. So when you say it's hidden, I mightn't see it in the ingredients, but if I look at that label, I'll be able to start to break down how many calories, sorry, how many carbohydrates are in there and if I look at that say per 100 gram I'll start to see what kind of percentage of calories that food is right that's right it's there's a lot of tricks that you can do to really find that information out Um, it's sometimes not plastered over the front of of the package uh, where you you think you could find it you have to go hunting sometimes and your practitioner can take you through the best way to read labels and to find that information out because it is all about education so if you are choosing something that is in a package or is in a can you need to know um, you know how much fat protein or or carbohydrates and uh, are in that package Um, and the easiest way to do that is by learning how to read labels Um, and so your practitioner can take you through that the right way to do it and you know the things you should be looking for as well. So sorry I interrupted you there and we were talking about then like the the difference between those um, you know hidden carbs and the good carbs and the bad carbs so bad carbs stuff that's coming from packages yep and being aware of that. So I can see where you're going with this is that if I'm going to be getting my carbohydrates from whole foods, I'm going to be only really getting good fats then as well, aren't I? Well, that's right. And so we really want to be focusing. So the other side of the coin is I mentioned refined carbohydrates, which aren't the ones that we're they're the carbohydrates that we're avoiding. The ones that we want to be promoting is from whole foods. So from our fruit and our vegetables that are um, 
complex carbohydrates that are also containing things like fiber that can also continue to satisfy us and help our system as well. Mm, Okay, so already you can start to piece that together in saying this is very, very different from the 80 style low fat because the 80 style low fat was have margarine instead of butter, have low-fat yogurt, have, you know, low-fat cheese and milks and whatever else, which is then going to be, by nature, still a very high-processed diet. And because we – I think the the habit that we can fall into, and it's the same that has been in the cycles of the ketogenic and low-carb diets, is that you can do this in a clean, healthy way or you can do this in a dirty way. And what I mean by that in a dirty way is that the low-fat diet we did in the 80s was – eating terrible food but just thinking oh if we keep the fat out of it then it's still a healthy diet and just the same as that you've seen that through different incarnations of a keto diet where people will get bad foods from you know they'll get their protein and fat but they're getting it from bacon and you know burgers and just unhealthy foods and that's not contributing to your health in the long run so i can i get what you're getting through now is that let's think about Whole foods. So when we're talking whole foods, we're talking about plant-based vegetables and fruits, like, you know, plant-based foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're getting those carbohydrates, where is the good place for those? Where, where else can we get good, good carbohydrates from? So there are many different sources that you can get these uh, complex carbohydrates from. So a couple that I've already mentioned are um, from vegetables, and we're looking at a broad range of vegetables. Um, there are a couple of vegetables that we uh, would ask to limit though. Uh, so again, as I mentioned, canned vegetables, um, particularly those that may have hidden sugars in there. Um, and we want to limit avocado. So you can have avocado on this style of diet, but remember it is high in fat. So it has to be accounted for in that fat percentage of your plate as well. So if you're um, having a salad and you're putting some avocado in there, you might start to notice with the dressing and the avocado, you're kind of getting just a bit too much fat there. That's right. That's right. So we do have recommended portion sizing on our allowable food list as well to really help you out there. So um, you might be looking at, you know, a half or a quarter of an avocado um, with um, whole vegetables. Again, very similar to the ketogenic diet. Uh, We're looking at um, one cup of uh, raw leafy vegetables or um, half a cup of cooked vegetables. Um, When we're looking at fruits, um, there is a range of fruits um, that are you're able to have on this diet. It's a, it's an extensive list. Um, but again, there's a couple of fruits to limit. So dried fruits and canned sweetened fruits. But the other source of carbohydrates that we can um, get beyond uh, vegetables are things like whole grains that I mentioned earlier. So when we're looking at whole grains, you can on this diet, which excites me a little bit because this fits with Um, how I usually eat is making sure that we can include things like brown rice, a little bit of oatmeal, uh, a little bit of millet or uh, quinoa as well. And, um, but they have to be in a restricted uh, serving. So we're looking at half a cup of those cooked grains. You can actually have one piece of toast, but this has to be coming from a whole um, wheat source as well. Um, And you can have half a cup of of cooked pasta, for example, but this is, again, from a whole wheat pasta. So uh, it does give that little bit more flexibility for those that are looking for a diet that um, may um, resonate more with 
um, having more of those uh, carbohydrates in there, but at a restricted portion size. Um, so mm. I guess the other thing that you were looking at is what does this actually look like on a plate? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what, what are these meals like? How do we, I mean, already I think, you know, people probably are starting to get a bit of an idea of, as you start to say, you've got your grains in there, your quinoa, your brown rice, or, you know, even some sources of those classic things that a lot of us used to use in meals and people have moved away from them thinking carbs are bad. You can start to build that into some pretty convenient meals again. So I can see that you've got a bit more options. So what are the portion sizes in terms of those meals look like? Like how do you, what's some classic examples of a, a restricted low fat meal look like for you? Yeah. So again, if you can imagine a plate in front of you, uh, on that plate, you're going to have a portion of protein. Now, this portion of protein is the palm size portion of protein, same as what we'll be looking at for the ketogenic diet. So the same width, depth and thickness of your palm. Uh, alongside that plate of, of um, and you've got your palm size protein on there now, we're also going to be having a look at three serves of vegetables. So Again, similar to what we had on the ketogenic diet uh, on their plate. Um, but instead of having that uh, additional serve of fat on the plate or the, that healthy fat on the plate, which is increasing that fat content for the ketogenic diet, on this plate we're having a serve of allowable carbohydrates. So you might have, say, half a cup of um, cooked brown rice, for example, um, and in addition to that, you're also going to be having a serve of fruit. So you so might you get think, to have more food then, don't you? Yeah, I was going to say you might think that this is actually more food. Um, it sounds like more food because it looks like more food, but when we break it down to the calorie content, um, you'll find that different macronutrients have different amounts of calories attached. So this sounds a bit complex, but what that means is um, – for example, a serve or a portion of fat will have more calories in it than the same portion of carbohydrates. So what this means for those that are on a low-fat diet, you can actually have more carbohydrates to balance that calorie ratio. Does that per make gram, yeah, it does. It does gram. make sense. So per gram, one gram of carbohydrates, I think it gives you around about four calories, yeah. and one gram of fat gives you around about nine calories. Mm -hmm. So just by however many grams of food, if I'm on a low, um, if I'm on a low fat diet, I'm allowed to have more grams of food because I'm getting less calories per gram there. Um, so I think that's a good point to make. Now. You are definitely a girl who loves a retro because now you're starting to say, not only am I able to be going and eating my carbs and just go on a low fat diet, you're also now talking a little bit about calorie counting, it sounds as well. Do you want to just clarify for the listeners, maybe some of the misconceptions around calorie counting um, or that, you know, there still is some validity to actually knowing how many calories or kilojoules we're putting in our mouths and how that still impacts weight gain or weight loss? Yeah, when I was looking into both of these diets, it's really, I'd spent a lot of time calorie counting, no jokes. It, I spent hours and hours and hours. Um, and what I found at the end of the day is that uh, regardless of which diet you are going to be looking at, they have to um, have some form of calorie restriction because that's one part of the important equation that we need to get to to promote 
um, healthy weight loss. Yeah, and that really resonates with what Nathan was talking about in the episode where we discuss the principles for dieting and to get weight down is it's 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 not about calories in and calories out, as Nathan said, but then it kind of is because if we're consuming more food, and as you've said, you know, at the beginning of this and in previous episodes, it's like you could put on too much weight just from eating too much protein. You can still put on weight from eating a ketogenic diet. You can put on weight from eating a low-carb diet. So you need to be mindful about just kind of how many calories are you getting from that food. And I guess maybe I'd swap those that word calories out from how much food are you eating? If you're eating too much food, you're going to put on weight. It doesn't necessarily matter about the, the macronutrients, the protein, fat, or carbs from that food, except for the fact if you put carbs and fat together, we love it and we eat a lot of it. But um, yeah, I think, and probably also, as you're saying, counting calories, some people I can feel kind of cringing already because those that have counted calories start to know how much of a pain that can be um, and how just, you know, a lot of people just find that time consuming and difficult. And the portions that you're giving us allow for that. It's like, if you're going to stick with those portions and those serving sizes, that means that you're going to be eating a moderated intake and you're going to be eating less food that's going to help you to lose weight, right? Right, yep. So that's a really good description of what a meal looks like, what a low-fat or restricted-fat diet looks like, whatever you want to call it to kind of get over the semantics that you might have um, if you've been exposed to a a low-fat diet in the past. This is a healthy diet with whole foods where you're allowed to have good carbohydrates and you're restricting some of those fats and you're getting good amounts of protein to keep you satisfied that'll help you lose weight so you've touched on the fact that vegetarians or vegans do well from this are there other people that you find do well on a low-fat diet or are there some people who should avoid a low-fat diet yeah sure so i think if this diet resonates with you then this is another option that you could have in in your dieting Um, regime that could be really beneficial. Um, So most people can benefit from this form of dieting as well. But remember, this is just one other option. I guess the other thing that I found with patients uh, in clinic was um, some people really love to have uh, fatty foods in their diet and a high fat content. So for those patients, they're more likely to resonate with ketogenic style diet whereas some people and some patients that I've had in the past don't do well on a lot of fats and may not feel great on fats as well Um, so beyond just vegetarians and vegans feeling good on this style diet um, there are other um, patients that may do really well with this diet but remember this is just another dietary option that allows that um, expanse of, of options for patients. Yeah, because I always like to sort of facetiously say that the diet that works for everyone is the diet that that person will stick on. So, you know, if I like to eat grains and carbohydrates and I don't feel well when I eat a lot of fat, I'm going to stay on a low-fat diet a lot longer than I'm going to stay on a ketogenic diet where I'm having low amounts of carbs and high amounts of fats. And so really I think it's about as the – as practitioners, you and I will sit down and consult with that individual and sort of go, like I ask, you know, what does your general diet look like? 
what's the foods, what's the meals that you like to eat? And if you like to eat lots of carbohydrates, then maybe a lower fat diet is a diet that's appropriate for you. But at the same time, some people like to eat a lot of carbohydrates, but they like to eat the bad processed sugary carbohydrates. So it's like if you start listening to this and you're going, hey, brown rice, quinoa, vegetables, some meat, that sounds like kind of meals that I can work with, then fantastic. Use use a low-fat diet that's going to be helping you stay on that for longer. It's going to help you to lose weight more successfully. Where if you love to eat you know, some more meats and some fats, then I think then a ketogenic low-carb diet seems to be working uh, a lot better because you're going to stay on that for a lot longer. In terms of clarifying, in case people are listening, people who don't feel well on fats, you said, uh, the symptoms that I think of are they might feel a little bit bloated, they might sort of have digestive symptoms where they feel a little bit nauseous from having fats. Um, What other symptoms do you associate with or see that people respond poorly to fats? Yeah, exactly those symptoms that you've just mentioned, Um, but they might get a little bit of reflux. And look, there might be something underlying uh, that um, needs to be addressed with a practitioner as well. But um, those that just don't do well with fats or don't have a high fat diet uh, generally um, tend to be able to uh, slip into a low fat uh, diet option more easily. That's what I've found in practice. Okay, great. Thank you. So, Really, everyone can do, so long as you don't have a poor intolerance to fat um, or to carbohydrates, I suppose, one and the other. Like Anyone can choose a low-carbohydrate diet or a low-fat diet. You mentioned in the low-carbohydrate episode, uh, the ketogenic episode there, where people who have a family history or have diabetes and blood sugar issues might do benef- to benefit from restricting their carbohydrates. Or if you've got this condition called metabolic syndrome where you've got high uh, blood pressure, you've got high blood glucose levels and you've got high cholesterol, you'd do well in restricting carbohydrates. But for the low fat, it's kind of more, are these the foods that you like to eat? Do you have a poor tolerance to fat? And do you um, also then just think that this is more uh, suitable for your kind of meal plan? And in which case there is no better or worse between a low fat or a low carbohydrate diet they're both going to produce the same benefits because no one is like evil and produces magical responses in the body that makes you put on makes you put on weight right yeah i think you've hit on some key points in there and i think uh, some of those key points are that it doesn't matter which of these two diets that you end up choosing essentially um, as long as you're restricting those two macronutrients that we talked about, either fats or carbs, you're going to get the outcome that you want for weight loss. And then I'd just add on top of that, and so long as you're making sure you're eating less than what you're eating Correct. before. Yeah, Because you can right. still have a low-fat or low-carb diet, right? And then we, and we'll often see this, I know I see this, is that people are getting carried away and it's still, you know, low-fat ratios, but their portion sizes are just too much. So stick to the portion sizes, stick to the ratios, and you're away. Now, I know from seeing this with, with patients and kind of working with either dietary options of whatever's appropriate, you're looking at still losing around about that half to a kilo of fat 
um, a week is typically what you're going to be expecting. We talked about in the ketogenic diets and the low carb diets that you might see that in extreme cases up to two kilos of fat loss a week, which could still be appropriate to see in a low fat diet. So essentially no real benefits in terms of one being better than the other for quicker fat loss. It's really come down to the individual saying which diet is more preferred by you, which foods are going to work for you. And then then you can stay on that diet longer. Hey, of course, you're going to be able to lose weight more successfully because you're dieting for uh, more successfully. Yep, absolutely. Now, that's been really, really helpful, Sally, to give us a great indication about, I guess, breaking the stigma of low-fat diets. And let's not think about low-fat diets as having to be like the 80s, but let's think about a healthy restricted fat diet from whole foods where you can get in some grain sources of carbs, where you can get in your vegetables, where you can get in your carbohydrates from your fruits and salads, and you're still getting good portions of protein. You're restricting some of that fat. You're certainly avoiding those bad trans fats, but be having more of a whole foods approach to this will help you lose weight as effectively as it would do on a low carbohydrate diet. But if it's better for you, if those foods work for you, then great, go for it. And that's not going to disadvantage you by any means. And you're going to be able to have the same success as you could do on any other diet. So following those portions, following those ratios, and people are going to get some great results. So I think you've really differentiated the difference of how we've progressed over the the last sort of three, four decades there um, to help people understand that you don't have to be pushing things uphill. If you like a little bit of carbs, that's fine have those carbs and you can still be losing weight so long as you do it appropriately and the importance of working with a practitioner to guide you about that. Is there anything else that you'd like to add in there before we wrap it up? Yeah, just a a couple of things. So I just want to make it clear that it's really easy to implement this form of diet. Um, Your practitioner will have all the resources available. Um, There's a great patient booklet that takes you through all the information that we've discussed today. There are shopping lists and food planners. I've put together seven-day meal planners for those that do like meat on a low-fat diet, but also for those vegan and vegetarian patients as well. Remember that this form of dieting is making sure that we're maintaining satiety um, and that we're reducing our hunger. And I think with whichever diet that you choose to go on, planning is the key. So sit down with your practitioner and make sure that you're planning ahead of time so that you get the best success. And then the last thing I just want to point out as an additional side of things is that, you know, in the 80s, Um, And with our ketogenic diets as well, um, Lawrence, you mentioned the the form of like maybe dirty keto or even dirty low fat. If there's dirty in front of the name, I don't think you should be doing it. Um, (laughs) Is that a general life rule or just for diets? Just a general life rule there. But, um, but yeah, these forms of dieting um, are going to be um, really, they are successful, um, clinically proven forms of dieting to help you choose um, and to achieve your weight loss goals. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. So thank you so much for bringing that up. I think people often when they're dieting get caught up on whether it's the calories or it's the carbs or it's the fat or it's the protein and then all other healthy parameters of diet get thrown out of the window. Every diet should come back to a good basis of whole foods 
when you're getting in good sources of protein, whatever your protein preferences are, animal or not, and making sure that you're getting good amounts of plant-based foods. So that's your fruits and your vegetables. So you've got your fiber. You've also got these crazy ingredients in there called phytochemicals and they interact with our cells and our genes and they promote our health and you've got your vitamins and your minerals if we're basing our diets off a good whole foods diet and then you maybe adjust the macronutrients the fats or the carbs in this case for the diet you're always going to be promoting health and then you you know you're losing your weight i guess as we're talking about today so that's such an important point that i think often gets forgotten about and overlooked when people are dieting yeah absolutely lawrence And then just referring back to, as you're saying, really important to be working with a practitioner who can tell you about, maybe help you through the ratios, help you through particular diets, maybe find which is going to work better for you. And as you're saying, even problem solve about, you know, if you're getting stuck on what a meal looks like or what you can be doing when you're eating out socially, um, a practitioner can really help you with that. And so if you're looking for a practitioner out there, listeners, you can go to the website shake-it.com.au. You can put in where you are and you can find a practitioner near you that can walk you through this and that's got access to those brilliant resources that Sally's been talking about. And that practitioner can also help you with not just achieving your weight loss goals, but also then maintaining that weight loss. Because as you know, Sally, and as I know, and as practitioners, we're always talking about this without saying that it's not about hitting your weight loss goal. It's about keeping that weight off for the long term. And again, if you want to know more about that, go and have a listen to the episode with Nathan. And he talked about the dietary principles that help do that and the importance of uh, changing things in our body to not only lose that weight but keep that weight off in the long term. And in this episode, you've given us a great example, Sally, about how that you can do that for you know a particular low-fat diet. And in the previous episode, we've talked about that for a low-carb diet. So thank you so much for your time, Sally. That's been really comprehensive. And hopefully it's helping people out there who have been struggling on low-carb diets but now can realize, well, I can still go have a little bit of carbon there, but restrict some of my fat, do it in a healthy whole foods way. And I can still have great success with my weight loss. So thanks so much for your time, Sally. Great talking to you again. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. Thanks for listening to Your Health Guide. Any resources or links discussed in the episode can be found at metagenics.com.au. To help you continue on your health journey, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you found this episode useful, please rate and review us. If you have any questions about how this information could relate to your health condition, please go and speak to your natural healthcare practitioner who can provide you with specific advice for your health needs.